Hi, all. It's Becker. Uh, I promise we're not going to start each episode off like this, um, like a preamble to our ramble, but our recording process has us juggling a real-life timeline versus uh, when we record these episodes. So what I really wanted to do here was give a little bit of an update and offer a truly genuine thanks to all of you. Last Friday night, uh, February 26th, we hosted our live stream trivia event to benefit ALS1 in the name of our friend and star of episode 19, Tucker. To be real honest, I was pretty nervous. I think whenever you throw a party, there's this sort of uh, touch of dread that that no one will show up. Um, However, you all turned out in a really big, big way. The amount of people that got involved, um, whether it was dropping some money directly on us with a kind word or showing up and getting to play trivia face-to-face together, absolutely, um, it blew our minds. To to date, I'm excited to say that... um, we have raised just shy of $5,000 in total, which quite frankly is not a sum that we ever expected to be able to announce. So thank you. Um, please know that it's moved us. It's touched Tucker and his family and know that it's it's going along to a great cause. And um, that's really to say nothing of the night because really we had a tremendous time hosting all of you that showed up. It was so much fun and so inspiring to see everyone make it out. Um makes us really consider what we could do with the show. You know, I hope we'll find some methods in the future to, to do some more of this live engagement, get some more of your voice and opinions into the mix. And, uh, maybe we can do this thing live, uh, live in person somewhere someday, if the, the world ever allows that. There's a lot of folks that I want to thank. And I'm going to start with the Blotto family. My brother, Brian was our live stream producer for the night and he helped us to sort of bring this thing together and, and put on a proper production. So Despite the seemingly vengeful choice of a magical mystery word, uh, he was a tremendous help, and, and I really appreciate that. We had music supervisor RB playing some live tracks at the top of the show and during a little break, so that was that was really tremendous. I could have watched him him jam all night. The pods that came on and helped us promote Ken Womack from Everything Fab Four. He's always so generous with his time and, and tolerance of us. Erica and Allison from BC The Beatles. We have an episode in the can with them coming out in a couple of weeks. We love their show. Ethan from Fans on the Run, uh, I think he got the fan favorite award. I think I got the most feedback on on Ethan uh, about his vibe and presentation, my uh, my wife included there. We had Sam scheduled, uh, Sam Wiles, and while he did oversleep, we can't blame him at all. It was almost 3 a.m. his time, so we still have so much love for him and his show, Paul or Nothing. Uh, we'll definitely be doing something with that guy this year. Big thanks to everyone who contributed to the prize package. Dave Wedge, Chris McKittrick, The Teetle Zine, Diadrio, John Lyons, Devil's Press Brewery, Ethan Alexanian again for throwing in some Paul vinyl. I, I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone, and, and I'm sorry if I did. Um, everyone's participation was tremendously appreciated, and, and know that I, I think you drove participation um, for us to get where we are on that that $5,000. So thanks to everyone. That's an impactful sum of money that we all put together. And it means it really means a lot. If you don't get a chance or didn't get a chance to join us or donate and are considering it, we are still accepting money through the rest of this month uh, where anything that comes in from our merch sales or the tip jar is being donated directly to ALS one. So um, cheers, all of the peace and love to you and yours. And now here's Tommy with an extended sports reference. Hello, hello, my Blotto friends. What is going on? Hey, bud. Good to see you. 
Oh, one word comes to mind for episode 20. One word only. Greatness. Right? Greatness. And, you know, this word has come into my head over the last week or so. Um, Guys, I've been catching up on a little TV I've fallen behind on. Uh, I had some time over the last week. Finished up season two of The Mandalorian. I thought that was pretty great. You You guys check this out yet? I, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, no spoilers. I heard I've no, heard too many things about it. Yeah, no spoilies, but it, it's good. And um, I also caught up on season one of The Maldalorian, which was, <laughs> you know, if you remember uh, Ringo Starkey's Star Wars, the, 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 the first hit, The Maldalorian. Um, pretty good, promising intro here. And then finally got around to something I hadn't seen yet. Something everything everyone was talking about. Um, the Last Dance. Had you guys caught this documentary series yet? The Last Dance? I have. Yes. No. I loved it. No, you haven't seen it, Becker? Uh, and this is where the word greatness comes from that I've been thinking about. The Last Dance. So, Becker, if you don't know, it is the documentary series from ESPN about the uh, the, the Can Michael... Can you hear my eye roll? Yeah, the Michael <laughs> Jordan era Bulls uh, and, and their, their rise to greatness, to a dynasty... And I couldn't help but think, guys, um, when I look... That's a, that's professional lacrosse, right? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was NBA. Do, oh, do, oh. Doubles. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, doubles. You remember? Yeah, doubles. I, I thought, I thought you you remember that, the, that thing? The, <laughs> doubles. The, the sitting bulls. No, but I was really like... I, you know, when I look across the Zoom right now, and, and, and I look, I see greatness in front of me, much like Phil Jackson, coach of the Bulls, Executive producer Scotty C, you really lead us, you, you guide us in this triangle that is uh, so zen. It's very zen, right? He's so zen. <laughs> yeah, you get us. And and Scott, I don't know if you would put me anywhere on on like. I mean, you're, I, I, you're Michael. Michael, you'd say I'm Michael MJ. Jordan. Yeah, you're MJ. Oh, dude, thank you, thank. You. I can't thank you. like. I, I do feel like I kind of, the, there's a tone set here. I kind of take control. I, you know, I, I really work us because I know where we need to get as a group, which means, of course, Becker is. He's like, uh, he's like Scottie Pippen. Uh, I mean, oh, oh, no, that that's not at all where I was going. No, no. no. Oh, I mean, so he's the worm. He's Dennis Rodman. He's, he's got no. all kinds of crazy ideas. No. and Nope, nope, nope. No. What about Horace Grant? He was just solid. He was great he was, player. No, no. Ron Harper, like nah. veteran. No. Nah. Um, Tony Kukoc, European dude, could shoot good and play. Nope. Not what I was thinking. What about little BJ Armstrong? He won the three point oh, contest. Great once. player. No, 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 no. Not where, not where I was putting Becker. Oh, so maybe you're thinking more like a Steve Kerr. No. Nope. Uh, like no. Nope. Uh, Packs in like hitting the big shot. Ooh, no, I thought we no, nope. Bill Cartwright, he had like a nope. little greatest beard. Nope, 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 nope. Stacy King, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> Stacy King. <laughs> Do you? Um, I, I mean, Luke Longley would be no. a no, I don't, I don't even No. I can't even think of anybody who's left. Like, I mean, this is like maybe, uh, who, uh, Scott Burrell? That's the one! Oh, the guy that he punked all the time. Yeah, the rookie! <laughs> the rookie. <laughs> yeah, it's the guy. Becker, yeah. Total Scott Burrell. 
got a ring. I feel <laughs> I feel I should be offended, but I'm not quite sure what happened. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, welcome to the new dynasty of podcasting. That is right. Welcome to Blotto Beatles. Uh, I am your host, Tommy. I'm one of your co-hosts. And just a reminder, we are the show where a few friends have a few drinks and come together to discuss and rank a single Beatles song. I am joined in the virtual Abbey Road, as always, by my, my good friend. That's right. The Scott Burrell of the show. <laughs> Becker, what is going on, my guy? How you doing? Uh, if that sticks, I need to do a lot more uh, research, I guess. And I uh, feel like I can relate to folks that uh, can relate to that. But All um, you need to know is you got a ring. You're part of the dynasty. Nothing else matters. <laughs> you know, you got the chip. I mean, I know enough to be that it sounds like I'm pretty far down the line from Jordan. <laughs> Still on the team. I mean, And if what? anyone on this podcast was to get a signature shoe... I actually think it would be me. So. <laughs> Probably right. Scott Burrell maybe had a signature shoe at some point. Um, I don't know if it was Adidas. I'm not positive. But, um, dude, how are you doing? This is episode 20. This is uh, a yeah. landmark for us, I would say. And what are you feeling about the, the fact that we have done 19 previous on to 20? Just another ring for us, right? Like, how, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, I mean, I felt... Uh, like you said in the in the sort of preamble here where it's just another number it's some but there's something about the tens that have been exciting right we had 10 episode 10 i felt really jazzed up about that episode 20 feels like a, another landmark um also because we're we're only releasing every every two every three weeks or something so this you know it, it nearly recognizes almost an entire year of of work that's gone into it um, and being with you guys and seeing where we've taken it and even going back and like allocation, just like listen to like a quick snippet of an early episode or something. And then to feel where we are now, um, it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm just proud of myself and I'm proud of all of us that that we've been doing this, you know, and um, I, of course, thankful that that anyone is listening. It is funny to hear growth in yourself talking about something you, you, you've discussed for as long as we've gotten together and talked about the Beatles, right? Like, and that's the premise of the show is that this is, this is supposed to be three friends kind of sitting around the bar and picking one thing that we might end up falling upon as a topic and just diving into it and, and seeing where we can get and like finding the heroes and villains every episode yeah. of, of that tune and, and beach boy reference working our way through it. It's, <laughs> it's been a ton of fun and yeah, it's weird to say I'm proud of um, spending as much at a liquor store as I have over the last year, but I am, I'm, I'm proud but you're that we found a creative your endeavor. part for local business and that's, that's been great, yeah. you know, and but you that gotta... is, I mean, and to take that premise of like, we want to be the guys talking at the bar. And I think we start that. And, and uh, some of our episodes have, have cut a lot of that out. You also respect that you need to shape this a little bit for an audience and put some form to it. And, you know, we are far from uh, accomplished broadcasters, but I, I, I think we've shown 
a ton of growth in ourselves. And, you know, I think we can, we can pat ourselves on the back for that one. Well, we've had a lot of help in that growth to make us sound as much like broadcasters as we could sound, you know, and without further ado, we, we should probably introduce the person responsible for that. Uh, someone that has not needed to grow since the beginning, the Zen master himself, the George Martin of New, New England. England. It's Scotty C in the virtual Abbey Road, everybody. I do All like right. to think that Scotty C entered the world sort of fully realized. You know, like he knew exactly what he was and who he yeah. wanted to be. And, he popped you know. out and he was like, the treble's a little hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 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 what was the word? Treble. It's treble. 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 <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Chris... Our friend Chris needs to know this. This maybe <laughs> this beats the, him, right? This is the earliest ever. The magical mystery word is treble. A cheers to you, my friends. You guys oh, are cheers. in. You guys are in treble tonight. <laughs> We're in treble. <laughs> We're in a lot of trouble because this is also Tommy's favorite Star Trek episode. The, uh, <laughs> the treble, treble with triples. <laughs> the treble with triples. <laughs> wow. Um, I was All thinking right. that might not come up too much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I need to watch all, my, all the birds yeah. references I have written down. Yeah, it was either going to be that or Rickenbacker. <laughs> yeah. That I've got a couple times in my notes. Oh, really? Yeah. But mostly just talking about the Tom Petty Christmas song. Oh. All right, so he, we're, <laughs> we're still we're in, the in, safe, we're in the safe zone, so I'm going to complete what I said, and that is he, he popped out of the womb saying the treble's a little hot. It's your executive producer, Scotty C. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, ooh, I feel warm ooh. now. I know, right? Um, uh, thank you for that. And I, I, I will say this, and I've said it before, I don't know if I edited it out or not, but um, I, I love doing this show with you guys. And, um, it's not hard from my end. I think you guys are so talented, um, on the mic and interplaying with one another. And now we've had so many guests, the way you guys can, can interplay with them and make them feel welcome and bring the comedy and bring the sincerity and, and all the fun that we're striving for, because this is supposed to be fun and it, and it is for me and. It's there's nothing hard about it. I have the easiest part. I get I, I don't know I get about praised. that. <laughs> I get praised. <laughs> um so with that said, it is probably time to get into what is in our cups this evening as we move into episode 20 of Blotto Beatles. Um I have started the evening with a Manhattan as I'm known to do in the winter time. And on deck um Becker, you opened my eyes to the three Floyds, and I've got a laser snake ready mm. in the holster, the the IPA. It's a sick-looking can. I can't that wait. sounds cool, I've man. I've also they, got... It sounds like something Johnny would want to drink instead if, of Coors Banquet. <laughs> <laughs> From Cobra Kai? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't checked out season three yet. I've been too into the Maldalorian <laughs> to really get into season three of Cobra Kai. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I also have a, a Save the Robots East Coast IPA, uh, which is coming from the Radiant Pig Craft Beers, which is yeah. just kind of like a great looking can and a great sounding brewery name that I hadn't 
uh, checked out yet. I don't know exactly where they are from, and the type is too small for me to read at this point. Um, but I'm hoping you will check them out as well. And of course, friends, as always, you you, you know what I got ready and waiting. Yeah, it's going to be cracked at some point this episode. It is the official beer of Blotto Beetles, the Devil's Purse, Handline Kolsch. I'm excited for this one tonight. I've had a Manhattan. That hits strong. I'm looking for something really easy drinking to put down. That is going to be... Had, and we've hit a mystery word. Those and we've hit, hit a mystery word. Like a son of a bitch. Yeah, I need something a little easier. That Devil's Purse <laughs> Handline Kolsch is really going to come in handy tonight. And I'm going to slot it in my arctic koozie so it stays nice and frosty cold becker what do you got ready um i was gifted or floated a bottle of sonic archaeology which is Ooh. a dogfish head has a distillery down in in delaware oh, i thought, wow. I thought it was brewery. sonic the hedgehog <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i wish he was making cocktails <laughs> and this is a pre-mixed uh cocktail this they uh, say this is a prohibition inspired cocktail it has whiskey rum apple brandy pomegranate juice honey lemon uh, kind of tastes a little bit like a boozy apple cider. Huh. Um, they said that this is a bit of a throwback to uh, the genesis of American music. Uh, Dogfish wow. had a super, super like music related. The, that dude Sam, who who started yeah. that company, loves loves music. He would probably be an amazing guest for this podcast. But um, uh, pretty good so far. I don't know what I really think about these sort of bottled cocktails because I think they trick you a little bit into paying full price. You know. This is probably the same cost as a full bottle of bourbon and probably only has 25% of, of right. booze versus mixer. And so I think there's some 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 gimmickry going on with that. But um, I would love Sam, Sam from Dogfish to come on and tell us why. Like, yeah. you know, tell me why you package a cocktail like it's real liquor. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, we want him to come, so let's not be so antagonistic about it. Right? Uh, but... Sam from Dogfish is clearly making uh, amazing beers and had made amazing beers yeah. for the uh, before craft beers were so uh, easy to get in, in your very own backyard. So I've been drinking Dogfish for a long time, um, but they've done some releases with the uh, seven inch records. I think they did something with Guided by Voices. I know they did something with Bonnie Prince Billy um, would be um, would be amazing to get get their take on the Beatles. But that's yeah. um, that's neither here nor there. I am drinking their bottle of cocktail and it's uh it's pretty good. I don't know how much more I'll have this evening, but uh, I'll probably finish that bottle. And then also <laughs> I'm drinking some uh, Lamplighter Brewing from down the street here in Cambridge. And uh, this is the Major Tom uh, IPA. I have a pretty, uh, this is kind of a go-to in, in my house. Um, so I'm happy to have that here. I haven't had any of that. And you know, what's interesting. I was looking at um, a gift from our friend, uh, a friend of the podcast, Jay. Uh, today I pulled out my Where's Bowie book. Uh, that's like a Where's Waldo for Bowie. Oh, yeah. Oh, and so I would cool. love to have that lamplighter beer in front of me as I'm trying to pick Bowie out of the the crowd. That we was will, almost, uh, yeah. We'll share one post-pandemic. All right. Uh, these guys, Lamplighter, do a lot of musically referenced, uh, not always super clear, but musically referenced beer titles, which I, I appreciate. I don't know that they have a Beatles one. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll tweet Ooh, them. Let's get them on, on that. Scotty C., you got anything going? I am drinking a Jameson whiskey, an Irish Whoa. whiskey by Jameson, the company Jameson. I don't know if you heard of them. Um, Triple distilled, I think. I believe so. How many times so. they cask that? <laughs> At least three times. And <laughs> yeah. this is no mixer. I don't, I don't fuck around with that shit. <laughs> I drink my whiskey straight. 
and I talk about the Beatles. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just about out of whiskey. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. I am, which means I'm going to crack a devil's purse. <laughs> I'm going to go grab a devil's purse. You guys carry on. <laughs> oh man! So that is what we are drinking, and as the notes say, we kept it quick. Because we are we are nothing, my friend, if not efficient. Um, Scotty has stepped away from the mic, Becker, and I, I I do think he knows. But when he puts those headphones back on, I'm back. He's back. Okay, phew. Um, I'm hoping you'll tell him, and I'm hoping you'll tell everyone else. Who are the Beatles? I know, and you know. I mean, this is why we we come together, and so um, it's probably pretty redundant, but. This week, I've got it for you guys. Um, I hope so. Last week, <laughs> last episode, I was a little concerned. You maybe didn't know. I was, a little, I was a little off. I was distracted by our uh, our guests, and, and I just probably didn't do the research that I, I had time for this week. So, um, Mainstream hard rock was sort of never, never to be the same after these boys got a hold of it. Uh, birthed yep. from Hollywood Sunset Strip in 1985. Oh. They worked the hallowed clubs like the Roxy, the Troubadour, the Whiskey-A-Go-Go before catapulting (sighs) to arenas and the global stage. (laughs) This band's sound referenced Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Queen, with a smattering of metal and a little bit of a punk edge. Nicknamed the most dangerous band in the world. You've told me the Beatles are pretty dangerous fellas. Um, let me tell you the lineup, the classic lineup. I think the lineup you prefer includes Buckethead, but, but the classic lineup has Axl Rose slash yeah. Izzy Stradlin, Duff McKagan, Steve Adler. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to your Beatles. And we couldn't be more excited to come together and talk about these fellas. Uh, hey man. Hey, Hey there's, man. Hey man. <laughs> I don't think so. you, you are really November <laughs> raining on my parade because, <laughs> Uh, that's almost one of their hits. You don't have it quite right. Let me let me set you straight. So they had a big record called okay. uh, Use Your Bungalow Belusion. <laughs> <laughs> and on that record, there are a couple of tunes that, you know, um, Welcome to the Uncle Albert. Um, <laughs> Tomorrow Never Roses. No. Axel Silver Hammer. And uh, You November My Rain. Look up the number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> nope you are not talking about the beatles again <laughs> again o- old brownstone shoe no <laughs> oh i like no. that i like that. who am i thinking about you are thinking of guns and roses oh gnr that's i always thought that stood for what the beatles the beatles <laughs> I, I was ready for something. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have it. Um, what if if we um, did a Guns N' Roses drinking cast? Yeah. Do you think it would be called Mister Newcastle Brownstone? <laughs> <laughs> that Maybe. or uh, aperitif for destruction. <laughs> Listen, Guns N' Roses though. Um, I'm going to be honest, it took me longer than it should have. And 
maybe that's not like an, an embarrassing take because there's really probably six months of great guns and roses in the, in the catalog. But like, I will say that just based on my age and, and probably the age of all of us here, like something like November rain was just friggin' epic. Wasn't it? Like, yeah, it, it, it was huge. I mean, that's, it's, it's weird for sort of guns and roses, like even for them to like go on tour with Metallica or something like that, because they, they weren't like Axel has some sort of crazy vision for I don't, and I've never listened to Chinese democracy, so I'm really mouthing <laughs> off. But Axel has some crazy uh, vision for what this should be beyond sort of being that hard rock edgy band, you know, that uh, user illusion starts to flirt with a little bit. And the, the trilogy tunes, yeah. the November Rain and all that. But oh, you uh, like, should I'll, be mine gonna... when that was on Terminator 2. When that was on that soundtrack, that blew my mind. Like, I thought it was great. Yeah, but yeah that drum fill to start it. Yeah. I will say I fell hard and fast for uh, Guns N' Roses. And it was because, and I don't know that I would, I certainly didn't know this at the time. They were a rock and roll band. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, now I'm looking back, I'm thinking, all right, the clash had like London calling and then guns and roses. was the next rock and roll band. That was cool. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Like, when you think of it that way, but there was punk bands and there was cool music and don't get me wrong, but another rock and roll band that like just played the same shit, like the basics, the, the root and the gut of rock was Guns N' Roses, and it was just, I don't know, and I don't know who's after that, because I, I don't want to think that fast. Well, it's funny, Nirvana, because like, I mean, Nirvana oh, okay. unseats yeah. Guns N' Roses, really, right? Use Your Illusion is big, and then Nevermind comes out, I think. That, the the whatever we want to call it, like the hair scene, like that, like Guns N' Roses is on the periphery of, and like a Motley Crue is on the periphery of. A Motley they, Crue's in the, in the middle of it. They're right in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> but like... Have you ever seen Theater uh, of Pain? Yeah. But I'm not calling them like Poison, you know? <laughs> like, and, Motley Crue's cool. But <laughs> they are like, they are taking like rock and roll into that direction that definitely Nirvana and then that the Seattle scene i think that guns and roses did the hair thing a little bit more because it was a thing yes to kind of like maybe somebody told them to do it you know spray your shit or do whatever make your hair look a certain way because i mean slash was like slash is so fucking cool like he's just like nah i'm doing my thing yeah nope. he was not following anybody nope no nope. i do remember my mom being very afraid of guns and roses yeah. when i was growing up like she, I remember driving in the Falmouth Mall parking lot and a Guns N' Roses song came on and they were talking about them on the radio and she turned it down and she looked at me and she said, they do drugs. <laughs> like, and no my shit, mother ma. clearly had no research to support that, but they were dangerous enough that she wanted me to know they did drugs. It turns out she was right. (laughs) (laughs) Parents have a good sense about that. I I hope that we all do as as parents, but uh, they know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't, I mean, but they're like you said, going back to it or thinking about them a little bit more. I mean, they, they, they supersede that scene in it. And I, I don't know why I think that they're more committed to the song craft and maybe it's a little bit, you know, like maybe it is covering something like live and let die that shows, like a little bit more awareness of a band that you, you wouldn't expect Motley Crue to be covering or Metallica to be covering, yeah. covering Live and Let Die. You or know? Knocking True. on Heaven's Door. 
Yeah. That, that knock, knock it on and down. That's probably a better version than... <laughs> you want me to keep going? <laughs> Let me get my guitar first. Yeah. The... Um, you know, I like to tie this always back into the Beatles so that clearly live and that die is, is, is the most direct one, but I couldn't even find a picture of Axel like with Paul McCartney at like a benefit or something. Like I was for sure that there was like some crossover of this, but I don't see, I could not find an image. Are of we them coming together. back to Axel and Springsteen covering them together? <laughs> <laughs> so w- w- yeah, with all that said, Becker, um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us, what they can do to help us out. Yeah, so absolutely. So we're, we're about to talk about a, a single track that we're excited to bring to you. But um, just to get a little business out of the way, please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to us on your podcast, Catcher of Choice. Um, if you feel so compelled to drop um, a, a five-star review. Oh, or, you got to uh, drop those five-star reviews. A review of any sort. Uh, we would absolutely welcome that. Um, but, you know, quite sincerely, if you are listening and you, and you like this show, um, tell tell a friend to listen, tell tell a Beatles fan to listen. Uh, I think that really goes a long, long way. And like Tommy said at the top of the show, um, we do have a tip jar on the site. Uh, you never give me beer money. Uh, it should be from the, the uh, a link from the top nav bar at uh, blottobeatles.com. And anything that you can give to us um, this month is going to uh, ALS1. To support yes. a great cause um, that um, our guest from last episode is involved in. So um, we really appreciate that. Yeah, you, you can tip us there. You can also, you know, go to our shop on the website and buy a T-shirt or something, as we said earlier. And, and that money also will go to ALS1. Usually at this point, we talk about the magical mystery word, but we have already hit that. That that came early. Scotty, what was that once again? The magical mystery word was, um, I'm allowed to say it, is treble or trebly or treble in any form. Any, um, any we say, form uh, We can say tremolo. You can say tremolo because that's a totally different word, yeah. Phew, um. phew. Because <laughs> <laughs> my notes. <laughs> can I say troubling and can I say throbbing? Because that's um, in my notes a lot for this next section. Yeah, throb, throb away, and um, <laughs> and uh, trouble lay down. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Scott, you you've told us a lot about the magical mystery word. Can you do me a favor and just maybe tell us about this week's pick? Oh, the song. Yeah, we got oh, a song. Shit. We're gonna we talk about. We're gonna talk about. You know what? I usually write down a few notes, but I didn't. Good for and, you. Uh, <laughs> throw. Wait, you should. Ri- what you should have done has been like. I wrote a lot of notes up tonight for a big speech, but <laughs> yeah. oh, you're the I'm just throwing them guy, away. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I can learn so much from Is that me. your marriage certificate? <laughs> <laughs> Is that your best My third beard? one. Third one. <laughs> Fine. Anyways, um, yeah. Tonight's song, I love when it's the three of us. It's been so cool to have guests. And, yes. um, you know, I love them in so many different ways. Each one of them... Some more than others, um, for obvious reasons. But so, real quick, uh, rank our guests: <laughs> <laughs> Ken Womack. Uh, <laughs> are you saying last? Are you going bottom to top? <laughs> How do you dress, Tommy? <laughs> now, but anyways, our song, our song this week, picked by Moi. If I'm going to be a little Miss Piggyish about it. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> is <laughs> we Star keep it Wars. fresh for our millennialists. Yes. <laughs> Star Wars and Muppets. Um, it's, it's it's a song called "What You're Doing." Yes, and it's a Beatles song off of uh, an album we haven't talked about yet. And I've been trying to sneak this album in, but excited. Um, but it's been eluding me, and um, it's been juking me out. You know, like much like Michael Jordan on the on the. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like uh, I'm put. I'm I'm Nixon. <laughs> I'm what you're a Knicks fan? Is what you're saying? <laughs> oh, oh, you're yeah. a Ewing guy. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting next to Spike Lee, of course. Yeah. Um. But no, this song is off Beatles for Sale, which we haven't talked about yet, and I've been trying to get to for so long. But scheduling, you know, we have really complicated lives, and um. <laughs> Can you say it in the same tone as when you were in the Newsies musical? <laughs> Was I? Beatles for sale. <laughs> I got Beatles for sale over here. Mister. Um, <laughs> did you have you hear? read the news? <laughs> There's Beatles for sale. <laughs> I don't want to say things I want to say. Um, so, yeah, this is an album that came out. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about this like we normally do for albums that we first touch. Um, This album had super potential, but I think was stunted by the fact that they were worn out, worn out as fuck by touring. And they couldn't even come up with songs. And they filled half this thing with covers. And, 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 you know, the Beatles are great with covers and they're, they're just great band and all that. But what you're doing... It's not a cover. It's one of the originals. I think there's uh, at least eight or so originals on this album. Um, it's mostly Paul. I think uh, most people would say it's all Paul or mostly Paul. And it's got a it's got a cool feel to it. It's got a really um, what what we might think of later on is like an American style of a California sort of sound. Yes. But apparently it was the other way around. Like, like not bassy. There's something else yeah, to there's it. Something it's else not bassy at all. Um, and I think it was, it was, it was, it had become that from the, from George's, um, he had a Rickenbacker 12 string and a 12 string guitar has 12 strings rather than six. Well, and it, <laughs> it's an interesting sound. <laughs> Go on. The I don't. I mean, this might not make it into the cast, but I, I always found these instruments uh, fascinating. Um, David Bowie played a, a a twelve string almost exclusively, I believe, um, and his rise no no pun intended to um, to the Ziggy sort of world in his and and and, and yeah. beyond. But like in the early years, especially, he was a twelve string guy. Um, it it. It doubles each string as you would normally hear on a guitar an octave higher. And so the sound of something like that and the way that it that it affects the the feel of the music, I think with an electric guitar, in the case that George was using here, was really impactful. And it mm-hmm. had a it had a sound that that, that was different. Um 
you know, nobody's really going wild doing something crazy and different in this song. It took them a while to to nail it though. It took them many takes in in more than normal, I think, at this at this time in their career. And in fact, it was almost a month later that they went after it again. Um what you're doing um lyrically it's a it's a it's a super poly song but he's 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 um he's almost a little bit like i don't want to use the word, the word macho but he's he's almost like calling someone out um he's not just uh singing a sweet thing i love you let's be together let's have a good day let's you know be in love forever um or trying to like you know corral some you know beatles um you know catch the babe type thing um so anyways it's not the most complicated song it's not the greatest beatles song but i yep. I really, really like it, and and, yeah. and having listened to it, and hearing the way the, the the instruments play together, and the the way that the bass and the high end kind of <laughs> have their space, and I think they experimented a bit more here. They added a little bit of um, overdubs, and and they spent time trying to develop the song in a way that we haven't really talked about yet. And I don't know that it's important that we do, but um, I well, let's, let's give it a listen. And I, yeah, I agree, I man. So. Let's, let's give it a spin and let's encourage our listeners to hit pause and do the same. Right. Yeah. I want to make sure we come back and really talk about Beatles for sale. Cause I think you really opened it up, but um, yeah, let's, let's dive into this track specifically and, and please anyone, uh, wherever you're listening, we encourage you to, to hit pause and, and go, uh, uh, explore what you're doing on your own and, and, and come back and let's all talk about it. You got me running and there's no fun in it. Why should it be so much to ask of you what you're doing to me? I've been waiting here for you. Hey guys, let's, uh, let's talk Beatles for sale, right? Yeah, I mean, you have... Um... Early period, you have mid period, you have late period Beatles, but I think we can all agree that this was like the uh, the tired period that we don't sort of talk about. <laughs> well, it's, it it's bridges most, early to mid period, you know. It's the most maligned record. Like if you're talking about what his name, uh, his name say, was Mal Evans. <laughs> maligned, <laughs> um, but, but people that like the Beatles don't love this record, right? And I have listened to this record start to finish a lot over the last couple of weeks as we have prepared, not just to uh, what you're doing, but to, to the whole thing. And I'm going to come out strong and say, like, the original tunes on this record are fantastic. Like, I, I think they are really great for the the time that the Beatles are in. And it, it's hard for me to argue with those. And I think it's definitely brought down by the covers a little bit. Like I don't need to hear the Beatles doing Mr. Moonlight, you know, yeah. or, or Kansas city. Hey, 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 <laughs> or even rock hey. and roll music, which right. I think they shred on this record. I think it sounds yeah. fantastic, but, but almost it doesn't feels need like to them be being, here. Yeah. It almost feels like them being like, Okay, what could be this record's twist and shout? 
Yeah. You know, it is the way it feels to me. And they're regressing a bit. And I, Paul admits it. Paul says this is a bit of our stage show. And um, mm-hmm. I think they didn't expect to have to put this record out the way that they did because um, they're coming off of Hard Day's Night. And Hard Day's Night is the first all originals record, right? I think it has no yes. covers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Covers. you are correct. And so I don't think that they expected to come into this record and, and, and then have to think about padding it with covers. Because I think this is also the... Uh, entering a little bit of a, adulthood and, and sort of that world. And then the pressures of Beatlemania, the pressures yeah. of... Uh, this is the height of Beatlemania s- right now. schedule, like, yeah, for so sure. So they come back from like a very quick U.S. tour. They they go down, I know, um, th- to Australia. They, they've toured without Ringo right before that because he has tonsillitis. That's where they get Jimmy Nickel in, in there to who thinks he's going to be the new Beatle. Um, that's another sad story of someone next to the Beatles. They're, they're down in Australia. They come back to England. Like they are piecing this record together, like over this time period in weird slots where, where they can get in studio time. And this song specifically, Paul says he writes in Atlantic city uh, as they go back to America. Right. And they like, like you look at their, tour schedule when they go back to america it is wild like the no real days off no time off they're doing two shows a day um and they are trying john says it sometime like coming up with originals is starting to become a problem and there's something about like hearkening back to the the early rock and roll that brought you here that they're like trying to pick up on and like this country music that they are picking up on as they're traveling through America and like a little bit of Dylan. They've met Dylan at this time. Like they, all these messy pieces coming together to make a really messy record that has some gems on it. Well, that's what I mean. Please, please me. is not that far. Please, please me. is like 18 months away from this record or something like they, right. They don't have that much distance, but they've had to put out, uh, three to four records and uh, uh, singles. And, and I mean, that it is clearly exhausting, let alone how do you come up with the original material during this time, but you're maturing. They're changing. This is uh, McCartney very specifically says that uh, we got more and more free to get, uh, to get into ourselves, our student yeah. selves, rather than we must please the girls and make money. And I do feel like this record is an interesting bridge to that. If, if anything, this record is clearly giving birth to Rubber Soul and clearly giving birth to Revolver. You know, I mean, that's why that's, do you ignore help at every <laughs> chance you get? Why do you ignore help? That is the next record. <laughs> just to like drive it into you just a little bit further. <laughs> well, I will say this. I mean, they they go into the studio to do Beatles for Sale. And I have a list of, of the songs they recorded in order they recorded them. Okay. Yep. And so it was all originals. The first, yep. basically all the originals on the album were recorded before all the covers because they ran out of time. Whoever wanted them to get something done in a certain way or whatever, this is out of their control maybe. And I'm saying maybe because I don't know for sure, but I believe like, yeah, if they weren't, all fucking running around the countries in this whole entire earth, basically trying to please everybody um, with their presence and their music, then they would probably would have written, you know, more music for this, this record. And maybe this record would have been 
the the help that you i mean and help is the same way though yeah help, help, the all the songs recorded it and help were all originals except the last two except act naturally and what's and the other the, cover I don't and know. they were the last dizzy miss lizzie they were the last two dizzy miss lizzie right they were the last two they recorded because they were like we need a couple more it's not them yeah. as much as it is like the world they're Trying to, and what do we know when you look at like how they take these songs? They're recording sometimes like three to five songs in a day. Yeah, and when you yeah. think of like start to finish the uh, the performance, the vocals, whatever overdubs, like it's because they're throwing a couple covers that they are just like we can bang this thing out yeah. in a take they or two. It. Like they they were recording five takes that end up being three completed songs on a record. And so you're like, okay, those are some of those are tunes. You just know front to back that you have played as part of your set that you can nail right away. When we're talking about covers guys, I love the cover of this record. Yeah. I I'm, I'm drunk. We did a mystery shot earlier and we have a couple of drinks before we start recording, but I'm almost willing to say this is like one of my favorite Beatles album covers. This is one of my favorite album covers ever. It's amazing. They look fucking great. All of this. And they all showed up like uh, they didn't show up like uh, they were just told to meet in the park. And I believe they showed up on their own. Of their own dress. I don't think they had makeup. I don't think they had a hairdresser. George's hair is is fucking on awesome. point, on yeah. point on this record. It's kind of like um, the perfect cowlick. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they're all looking good. Ringo's looking great. Ringo had gotten the hair cut down. I wish they gave him a, like a box to stand on or something because he looks <laughs> a little lower than everyone else. But that's not that's not his fault. But I've been staring at this thing all week. Like I can't stop looking at it. It is. Tommy didn't so, even know it was a Beatles record because it barely has their name on it. You know, <laughs> that is, I think the most amazing part of this record. It's Beatles for sale. It doesn't say the Beatles anywhere in large font. Nope. Frankly, the, uh, my copy where it says mono in the top right corner is the, the letters mono are larger than, than the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. Um, and, and this, it's like the prototype for the sixties rock band record. Like yeah. you're looking at something like between the buttons, like you can't tell me the stones didn't look at this cover and we're like, we want to do what the Beatles did there. Like they just, it's that full bleed. There is not a yeah. border on the thing. It's this fuzzy background with like these weird, like color blocks, uh, in the front of it and they just look so freaking cool man they like look. they look mod as hell like in their yeah, peacoats yeah. they know? look like they look like cool dudes that i want to hang out with and this is all uh this is all robert friedman and i think it's interesting to talk about him from from his direction as an artist and i, don't, I actually don't know where he goes after the beatles but he does with the beatles which is clearly an iconic cover mm-hmm. he does beatles for sale which maybe is not as iconic uh, our parents it don't, should be. Our, our parents don't know this record, right? It didn't come out in the states in the same way. Um, and then he also does the Help cover, which is clearly very iconic uh, on it on uh, on its own. Yeah. And he does Rubber Soul. Thanks. To and us. you see that that is a vision for the band, also. You know, like that is an artistic vision uh, that's carried through um, as like a full package. You know, I I love artwork and music and all of that 
coming together. And that's why I love vinyl records and collecting that. But I think it's so clear in this run of albums, like a, a coherent theme. I want to know something about, you know, how Your many bands, know it. <laughs> how many bands do you love the album cover of the, their four faces? Mm. Mm. Like, that's what I mean. Like basically you're talking about rubber soul, yep. Beatles for sale, um, with the Beatles are basically a picture of the four dudes in the band, like, and their right, hair yeah. grows a little bit or they look cooler. And, and, and I, I appreciate the photography. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not even stepping on that shit. I'm just curious about the conversation about an album cover. That is a photo. Even let it be is a photo of four Beatles on it. It's like, it's yep. always, you know, at least Abbey road, they were like, I don't know, doing some shit. Um, yeah. Or, you know, I was going to say like Red Medicine by Fugazi is almost like in Abbey Road. Like those dudes are sitting in the water on Red Medicine. Yeah. Like their their heads poking above the water. So, I mean, like, but, 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 but with the Beatles, Beatles for Sale and Rubber Soul are, you know, Rubber Soul, mm-hmm. I think, has like some really wonky thing going on. Or is it just because we feel like we're all on drugs when we listen to it? I don't know what it is, <laughs> but they're like at a weird bias or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's an angle there. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, I get as a photographer, uh, not that I'm that at, by any means, um, the the progression and the evolution, but what is it about a band that just puts themselves on a cover that we like? I, I, I'm not even sure I know why I like that. There's think- something about this one specifically that just, I don't know why it speaks to me, but it does. Like... I look at this image and I just want to keep looking at it like and maybe it's their stoic faces. Maybe it's the fact that they're not saying much to me like it's just the coolest looking image in the world. Like like they fucking showed up. I think this is a better album cover than Hard Day's Night. I think it's better album cover than Please Please Me. You know, I I, I put it up there with with the Beatles is like just an iconic image. It's definitely better than Let It Be. What's that? Is it better than Let It Be? <laughs> I think it's better than Let It Be for sure. Yeah, that's a garbage graphic design right there. <laughs> where they're like, can you find four pictures of the Beatles? Yeah, we where they all have cover. like To speak of teeth. like iconic album covers, you open this up. You open up the gatefold of this vinyl and they are looking at <clears throat> pictures of famous people. And does that speak to Sgt. Pepper yeah. in, oh, in yeah, some yeah. way? I you think know, for sure like, that this starts to influence. Very them. cool. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You have an interesting point right now, where like if a, if a band put out a record right now and it was just their four faces looking at me, I would be immediately turned off. Like, there's nothing in recent times where I'm like, I want to see the band's faces on a record, though. Also, you know, you think about iconic records that come around in our life, like uh, Nirvana. Never mind. You think about that stuff. Like, I don't. Yeah. Trying to think about anything else, like in our time period, like Kid A or any of that stuff, you would you would be appalled if it was just like four of the band members like looking into the camera, even if they weren't smiling. Like it's it's certainly of its of its time. London Calling, like any of these record covers that like really stick out in your mind. I mean, um, this was the start and end of it. I think is is this sort of run of Beatles and 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 clearly sixties music, the early Stones records, all of that have have aftermath and has has that vibe. But yeah, there's a sixties feel there for yeah. sure that is hard to replicate. Um, 
Well, they're defining but, it, right? They're they're yeah, making it true. That's but true. It's I a think cutting the, edge the, moment. The treatment yeah. of the title is is really important to me. The fact that it doesn't say yeah. new music by the Beatles. Like it's Beatles for sale, which I think is a very you know, like it's it's probably how they feel a little bit of the time, right? Like they've been churned out a little bit by the machine. They've been forced to sort of make all of this happen. It's like Here's some more Beatles for sale. And that's like quite literally what it is, right? Like this album is some more Beatles for sale. And who made if they had up- gotten a little bit more time, if they didn't have the Christmas crush, like the Beatles love putting shit out or the December. Beatles management yeah. loves putting shit out ahead of Christmas, including McCartney three, which just came out. Like this seems to be like <laughs> such a push uh, anthology. I remember those were coming out before Christmas. Like they just love that uh, Christmas dollar gift this to your friend. Um, if they didn't have that breathing down their neck, like what was, what could another two months have done to this record? Like would it shaved off a couple of covers or, you know, who names the albums? That's a great question. I was singing the same thing. I, I think they sort of brainstormed them a bit, you know, like the band. Yeah, I think so. I think George Martin was involved early on. And then I think they started getting, Oh, you must've really hated that. (laughs) (laughs) I do think like we we can say from Rubber Soul on for sure the Beatles are naming their own records. And you you get before that like help is questionable like it's a they just agree help is the best yeah. song, you know, like with the Ring- Beatles Ringo wanted Revolver to be called After Geography for like uh, uh, against the 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 Stones Aftermath. Which I kind of oh, think I is did clever. hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of clever. So I, I know that they had some involvement in that. It's not clever. I'm taking that back. I think it's like a funny retort at the time. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, guys, the the cover of the record aside, which I I love, and I could probably talk about for another hour. I just want to f- discuss real quick, and it's not the song we are gonna dive into or rank this evening, but. No reply, and I'm a loser. Yep. You're gonna you're gonna start a Beatles record with those two songs and tell me it's not a good Beatles record. Like <laughs> those are brilliant Beatles songs, and especially like this like early leaning to mid-period Beatles. Like No Reply has that like weird yelling that we're probably going to discuss tonight and what you're doing and and like the darkness to it. And then I'm a loser in my mind leads directly into help that, that gets into this sad John that we all for some reason love, right? (laughs) Like what a great one, two punch there. It is. And it really sets like, um, it does set a different stage, which I think is probably, hurt the record uh, in general in sort of its initial uh, popular appeal. And this was a number one record in UK and they chopped it up in the U S and had a whole bunch of hits. Eight days a week is on this record, which is a big U S hit. Um, But yeah, I think if you go back and and listen to it and think about it as sort of an, an entity, people would say this is a bit of a maudlin record and, and, and it is right. I mean that we talk about, John and his earnestness and coming around and he's crying for help and at for help. But I'm a loser is a really yeah. rough, 
a rough tune that we were probably overlooking before we were like, well, and oh, it's got that serious Dylan, you know? that Dylan influence oh, yeah. too. That is like John has just met Dylan, and and he says like, I should probably save this until we talk about I'm a loser, but this idea of like the, the word Joker that that comes into I'm a loser comes right from Dylan and him being like, oh, I'm I'm seeing that word in a different way just by meeting this guy and like talking about myself, you know, like there's a huge leaping point here from where they were previously. But these are also tunes a bit. And I think I've said this too much, but um, these are tunes where it's different of hanging out and meeting groupies and fans versus trying to make real relationships happen, right? Like someone has rejected Paul maybe for today's tune a little bit. John has been rejected now. And so it's a little bit different, right? Like he's been able to sort of uh, meet women and have his ways and and all these things. And now it's like, Oh, the the world's a a little bit different when um, you're maybe meeting a woman that you actually really care for. And you meet someone who's, who's challenging you, but um, we're not here just to talk about rubber soul because that's not not even what track this tune is from. (laughs) No, we're not talking about Rubber Soul at all. And we're not here to even talk about the White Album, right? Nope, nope. Finally. (laughs) Great catch, man. You did great. (laughs) You know your stuff. We're not (laughs) even here to talk about Beatles for Sale. We're not? No. We're going to talk about one song. We're going to talk about the the tune, What You're Doing, tonight. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) I will I, I will say one thing that I'm going to throw out there real quick. Um, yep. This is, I think, two... There's only two Paul songs on this album. Wow. And this it, and I'll wow. Follow the Sun, that's it? That's it. I mean, he does Kansas City and all that shit, but that's not his song. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, originals. And then, yeah. There's, wow. and then there's some, like, co-written stuff, whatever. I don't even think he sings them, but I think these are the two Paul songs. Uh, I'll Follow the Sun, which is... Uh, we will talk about that another day. I love that song. Lovely song. Yeah, and uh, Stevie Wonder does it. And uh, but this one, <clears throat> what you're doing? Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. That that he didn't have a lot of contribution here, and maybe he was as worn out as anybody. Well, I think yeah. he had also found um, love. He was in a relationship that that maybe this song is about Jane Asher, and uh, that seems to be debated. People seem to enjoy that narrative. But um, a little bit sort of during this time period is that they thought maybe Paul was was lagging behind a little bit, that he had sort of yeah. uh, uh, needed to to catch up. And the rest of the band was sort of um, or or John, not even the rest of the band, but but that maybe John was uh, starting to to pull ahead a little bit as a songwriter here. So maybe this album uh, brought that to, to the forefront for him. Yeah. But, John says they're kind of dying for originals as they get to the song. But how could you not be with the touring schedule they they had? Like, yeah, the the number of songs that John ends up coming up with is is pretty amazing, all things considered. Yeah, they end up. I thought this was going to be a really great point for our twentieth episode because I thought on first listen of this tune, I thought this was like an equal collaboration. I was like, oh, this is like an early uh, McCartney Lennon tune where they work together, and I'm like, oh, that's really like a great way to come together because our podcast so far doesn't have a ton of uh, yeah, that's McCartney true. Lennon tunes that we're really working on, right? Like Lennon has only been present for like 
25% of the tunes that we've <laughs> even spoke about yet to this. Um, and so I thought that at, at first when I listened, and then I, I did a little bit of the research, and it's like, oh, you know, Paul takes a little bit more credit for it. Lennon takes a little credit. And then like in 1980 in the Playboy interviews, John is just like, it's a Paul song. You know, you're like, okay, well, it's, it's a Paul song. <laughs> I was thinking about um, the the last song we discussed the um, in, from our last in episode. My life. And what's that? In my life. Yeah, in my life. And oh. where it's really funny because we all kind of consider that a John song and, and Paul's like, well, hold on. I've got, I've got a piece in that one. <laughs> and there's, there's a great quote on, on this song. Um, Paul says, what you're doing was, uh, it's a little bit of a filler. I think it maybe was a little of more of mine than John's, but I don't have a very clear recollection. So on the safe side, I'd put it at 50, 50. <laughs> <laughs> Which and is I, amazing. Like Paul's gra- grabbing in my life uh, yeah, John's yeah, you know, bank yeah. account. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. He John's like oh, Paul contributed like the middle third or whatever. He's the middle yeah. eighth or whatever of in my life. And and Paul's grabbing to be like, oh, okay, we'll call it 50 50 on this one. But <laughs> exactly what I find. And you know what? I like this song. Like, I'm not. I'm not against the song. It's it's pleasant to my ear. I, it is, you know what I I really th- if we're gonna call this a Paul song, which I'm I'm gonna do. I really believe this shows Paul's power as like a craftsman of songwriting. That yeah. like he's taking something that's kind of nothing and and making it into something pretty good at the end of the day. Like uh, this is you know. Scotty said at time he said I don't remember this is known as a filler track a little bit and and even Paul I think calls it a filler track but this tune is dripping with Beatles and it's like I yeah. I, I think it's 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 not worth overlooking that at all and it's almost like this is like an early period touch touchstone of uh, some upgrades that are going to happen later down the road of sort of uh, rubber soul revolver help and things like well, that. We want to say that this was a filler, but they spent three days recording it. And like Scotty said, they they worked on it a while ago. They abandoned it, came back a month later. Like, I don't that doesn't scream filler to me. And it has a ton of this great vibe. It's got Ringo opening this track in an amazing way. Um, Yes. This uh, reminiscent of the the Be My Baby sort of opening. Yes. And a lot of people. So you're talking about the 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 Ronettes piece. And I think that's where Paul as the craftsman really starts coming in. Like there is an early take of the song where they, they just kick it off and it's a little different. It's a little wonkier or whatever, but like you listen to that take and then you listen to this and, and you've got to, I, I believe it's Paul is like, let's throw this drum intro in Let's that part I think is so interesting because every every note that I read is also like Paul influenced the drums. He influenced the opening. Yes. We want to take this away from Ringo. There is no quote from Paul that says that he wrote or defined or did any of this drum opening. But no one in the world can believe that Ringo did this on his own is sort of what I'm taking away from this. And everyone's like, oh, of course, Paul said that you should open this a little bit like uh, Be My Baby. It just feels like Paul's the arranger a little bit of the song and is recognizing, 
okay, there's something out there. He's, I just, wanna... sh- he's just showing off for George Martin. That's how I feel about <laughs> it. Like, he's like wearing short shorts and arranging these drums. He's like, George Martin, look at me, you know? Okay. No, but in the same way that like John is writing a love letter to like black girl groups and tell me why, you know, like, I, I think that Paul is pulling in something here from the Ronettes that he is loving in music. And he's like, this is a hit sound and let's, let's tweak it a bit, you know, but if we start the song this way and then we, we filter that in halfway or two thirds of the way through the song as like coming back to that, like it becomes something more interesting to the listener. And I, I, and I, I think, think that's, great- that's what we're coming into is sort of the collaborative Beatles a little bit here where um, I think George and Ringo are feeling that they're being directed by Paul. Um, sure. Certainly as things are coming on later where John is respecting them more as, as musical partners, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Scotty um, C, I cut you off or um, personally, I think that, 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 that George's 12 string yeah. guitar is mm-hmm. really like the, the, the yeah. part of this song that's like, whoa, like it is basically inspired a band's, a, a, well, another band's the, music. The birds would be nothing without this song, right? You know, like, like, like it, there's something about that and, it. Yeah. That and Dylan got the birds through it like an entire decade. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were saying that the direction of Paul is, 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 is kind of weighing on some of the guys. Um, but I, I think George came in with this instrument and, and wowed everybody. But not, I mean, that's the interesting thing that you were saying there. And I, I don't even I'm not even discrediting Paul in this sentiment where it's like Paul is coming in and saying, I know what I want. And that's not a bad thing to me, like to you to go in and tell the Beatles that, you know, what I want as a song and write amazing songs is it's a fair sentiment. And it's a fine place to be as an artist. There's just a different angle if you are John and you're coming in and saying like, I want everyone to contribute. You know, these are just two different angles. And I'm I'm not even really saying that anyone is wrong or, or right in it, you know, but I can understand as a musician or, or if I was one of the musicians, uh, resentment building up a little bit about that, you know, where it's like Ringo is being told from start to finish what to play, which is probably a little, a little bit of a bummer, you know. This this is what maybe I, I was trying to say earlier that I, I kind of lost. Like there there's a piece of this song that there are times I feel bad for our executive producer Scotty C, especially when we are padded with uh, a few guests because Scott picks the song between the guests and the, the the guest wants to pick a hit or a great song or whatever, and and Scott is left with the in betweens and so he's kind of picking what you're doing right now is the in between, and I have had more fun listening to what you're doing because it's a song that I haven't listened to as much. It's a song that I ha- that I haven't done this deep dive on like I might have done to in my life previously or I might have done for for no one, you know, over the last few years. And that's been a lot of fun for me in, in doing that deep dive and it, it comes back to kind of Becker what you're saying about like he Ringo's capturing this whole thing and to take that in it in a direction. So we talked about nowhere man earlier in, in our travels here, we talked about the birds 
right? And how Nowhere Man and the birds are kind of connected. But this is the jumping off ground. Like, th- th- this is the leaping pad for the birds, in my opinion, right? Like, they, oh, yeah. this is everything. Um, and the beauty is that it's by accident. I think this entire record is the jumping off point for uh, almost all of the. I mean, in a big, big way, they start to introduce that sort of um, country rockish vibe. I, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's not bassy. Well, the thing that's cool. <laughs> it's the opposite of bassy. <laughs> so a couple like very quick things specifically on the song. I love the screamy background vocals. Oh, my God. Oh. Those are so great. <laughs> That is right? one of the best parts of this tune is well, this like shouted uh, George and John going on in the background because it harkens back to Hamburg in my mind. It harkens back to Cavern like it is um, in my in my mind, it reaches forward. That's funny because it, it reaches oh, forward really? to like some like punky thing that's going on. Oh, yeah. Like, Sure, in the way that like they always had a punk vibe, I would I would buy that. But I think that this just like it's not as melodic or harmonic as, yes. as any other backups that they're doing. But I think it's just like the yelling to sort of be heard in a way and to sort of accentuate or enunciate a, one of Paul's points, which I think is oh, I love that. I love it. I yeah. think it's amazing. I, th- what they're doing here is is fantastic and i think it really actually sells this song in a, in a way what they're yeah. doing what's the, the whole, i mean this whole his rhyming structure personally is is oh my god we haven't talked way, about that at all yeah that that is way different than anything we had i think had before in in the the beatles but we've talked about this with paul of like the way that he he will string a line together and make like one lead to the next sometimes they it looks different on paper than the way it sounds. And I think what he's doing here of like rhyming, like doing one word with blue and two yeah. words, like is very, very interesting. I'm not saying anything new or inspiring, but like for a kid in his early 20s to do that, this is where I think like the craftsmanship piece that i was talking about earlier really comes into play it's like a natural it's like a this kid's got it type thing to me yeah it's the way that you can fit it to this tune i think he's doing it amazingly here and even paul himself he calls it a bit of a filler tune he says it's maybe a better recording than it is an actual song which which i I might agree with you know but because everything that we're celebrating to be like this is a beatles-esque tune is maybe the recording, it is the arranging, it is the rest of the Beatles coming together. Um and, and lyrically and musically maybe we're sort of saying like it's it's not it's not a hundred, but it's it's super strong. I mean there's nothing here that doesn't make you like this isn't a monkey's tune. Like this is very much a right. a, a Beatles song, you know. Yeah, you and could I actually think it's, a almost, of, it's almost weird to me this didn't become a hit. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, that's like, what I was thinking the more I listened to it is that this should be a more like when Scotty C sent it to us. It, we don't get that much notice on on the tunes we're doing next. We got about a week or two, and Scotty C sent this to me, and I was like, "Do I know this song?" That was the first the first thing right. I had about it. You know, like and, why isn't this as popular as No Reply or I'm a Loser? I don't know. I don't know either. 
Yeah. I have no I'm idea. Not, I'm not quite sure because they, they... And the more I listen to it, I'm like, you know, like... It's got that, like, slash guitar stuff to it, right? Like, <laughs> But seriously, no, but it does. You think George does it... had a cigarette butt in the guitar? Yeah. <laughs> in the headstock. Does this, does this talk more towards, like, come and get it? That, that song that Paul wrote for Badfinger... You know, like, like if you want it, here it is. Come, come and get, and get it. it. <clears throat> like, I, I think there, there's something to be said for like "Come and Get It" being the, the bastard child of this <laughs> tune in some weird way. Like, I had not considered that for uh, for a second, but uh, I will take it under strong, strong considerations. <laughs> yeah, take it under advisement, man. Two episodes ago, we got to talk a little bit about For No One, which is clearly a little bit more advanced, which is rumored to be yeah. a, a little bit about Jane Asher, which so is this tune. But if you think about this song a little bit, like, is this the prequel to For No One where um, Paul is is in the relationship? It's maybe not going amazing right now, and he's really trying to hold on and, and at For No One. Uh, he's lost the relationship and is is lamenting it a lot more. You know, first of all, because here, yep, I pictured Jane Asher to be like one of the babes in Austin Powers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> how do we? How else? Do, how? What is she like? Is she like one of them? Like one of the? Um, yeah, Jane Asher was a redheaded sort of um, babe, mod looking babe. Is it for no yeah. one? You tie these tunes back to Paul had a little bit of a tumultuous yeah. relationship with Jane. And I think we tie a lot of tunes back to that. Um, is this song a little bit of a prequel to that in, in, in the world that the relationship's getting a little bit out of control lyrically here, right? Like Paul is sad about this. Paul is like, why are you sort of treating me this way? Paul, Paul refers to crying, which the Beatles had not done it at this point. The Beatles, lyrically were were much more in charge of the relationships i think until yeah. this time period like um well beatles in, for sale in general is like a, i got your beatles weird... for sale over here that's <laughs> <laughs> a weird like paul oh here we go has a weird paul over it right <laughs> like there, there's a darkness over beatles for sale i'm a loser um yeah, you know, like uh, the babies in black, like there is something that they are all going through. And maybe it's separate because John is already married and is starting to feel the constraints of that marriage. And then Paul is going through this relationship that is clearly starting to not go well. So, yeah, I I do hear what you're saying. And like, I think that's well, Jane Asher is also. She's famous. So it's uh Paul is forced a little bit more to be dealing with an equal than he is previously or sure. what he's been sure. singing about, right? So he's not and she's famous in a way that I don't even know. I think it's it's British television for whatever that's worth, you know. If you <laughs> if you take that for any, you know, like it's Are probably all money served? python to me, yeah. you know, but uh <laughs> I just so but, but she's famous and so it's it's a little bit different. Like I think the power dynamic for them is different, you know, and I think all yeah, of it is, is think, power dynamic. I mean, that's, but I think, I think you it still happens like, with John later too, you know, 
listened to Paul at this time and he's like, oh, I'm living in this flat here and I'm trying to find my life there. And um, I think what you're saying leading towards for no one, like, here's the hard part in uh, 2021 officially is that Beatles for Sale for us seems like a, a light years from Revolver, right? Will you mm. stop it with the Star Wars stuff, man? Like, let's just talk <laughs> in regular years. When they were recorded, I mean, that's maybe two years away from each other. If yeah. that, like, it, it, they are there. They are. I think it's 64 to 66. I think yeah, I mean, yeah, no. it's probably 18 months away from each other, if that. And so it makes sense that you're like, oh, I'm going to write this pop song, what you're doing, and then I'm going to write for no one that seems to us like a, a seven or 10 years later song that is really a year apart from each other seven about or, how yeah. this relationship died. Seven or 10 months later after you're not touring constantly. It, yeah. Yeah. The right? whole world has changed every month. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about the Beatles. Right. And that's absolutely what's amazing about this journey. And this is why like, and no apologies if you do a Rolling Stones podcast, but like, a Rolling Stones podcast would be fucking bullshit because you got like 50 years to talk about. We are talking about right. like eight, seven or eight years condensed of like amazing, amazing work, you know? And even when we have issues with it, like we're really um, impressed. It's and, some, yeah. some full on minutiae, you know, and it's, it's more on like on us than it is on the Beatles, you know? And so we're, we're digesting this amazing work output that happened and, and ultimately at the end of it, they, they've been churned out and are exhausted, you know? Um, I agree. And like guns and roses, but we're not, we're not here to talk about the demise of the Beatles <laughs> guys. We are here to do one thing. And if I'm right, that is to rank a single Beatles song. Are we there? Am I right? Are we here? Are we ready to do this? Are you guys ready? This is why the big list? I wake up in the morning. This is why I live and breathe I'm, for this project. Kay. I mean, for a bunch of guys that say they love George, they didn't say shit about his Rickenbacker like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I do love George's Rickenbacker on the song. It's big time. And it's big time. I'm ready. I'm ready to rank this song. And as we together over video... I'm just going to tell you where the song sits, and I don't think anyone's going to argue. All right. I'm, I'm ready to hear it. Are you ready? Yeah. This song sits between Tell Me Why and Don't Bother Me. Yes. I agree. Exactly. <laughs> totally and 100%. I agree. That's exactly so, where I put it. Yeah. Yep. Um, hey, hey, Becker. <coughs> hey, Becker. Hey, Tommy. <laughs> Dude. This has been a great episode. How do you feel about it? You you feeling? Okay? Oh yeah, this was really great. Yeah, I forgot we have to we have to have a wrap up, but but I think maybe you should take us home. Oh, thank you on that thank one. Um, thank you for listening. I uh, this is episode twenty, and if you've uh, started here or ended up here, I I really appreciate. It. I know all of us do that. We never could have expected that that this podcast has become what it has become and uh i appreciate it and it's it's been amazing for us to do this during this sort of yeah they're pandemic calling it blotomania they're, they're calling it blotomania <laughs> i've heard that <laughs> so um 
You know, we we hit the magical word uh, really early on, so we don't even to cover off on that. But treble was uh, a very specific word. Who who would have known that we even hit it? You know, um, but uh, that's Scotty C. He's he's crafty with those words. So uh, <laughs> I'm Becker, and that was Tommy. We're your co-hosts. This hey, podcast hey. is uh, produced, edited, composed, and magically assembled by Scotty C. Uh, with some additional music supervision and assistance from our friend and yours, RB. Uh, that B stands for Beatles. Check him out at Ryan O. Brooks on all of the socials. We are also on socials at uh, Blood Beatles. Please remember this show is performed by professionals. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoy Blood Beatles responsibly. Please also mm-hmm. enjoy Blood Beatles if you are over uh, over mm-hmm. 21 also. Um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, us on your podcast app of choice um five stars and up would would be tremendous and 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 just a quick reminder all proceeds that uh you you all are you all are putting out uh, any t-shirts any uh anything you put in the tip jar anything like that that you find on bottlebeetles.com any way you find to spend money on bottlebeetles.com we are donating currently to ALS One um, in honor of our good friend Tucker, who was on an episode on our last episode. But m- more importantly, because it is an important cause and we believe in it, and it is something that we want to help make a positive change with. So please, 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 if you have thought about buying a T-shirt or or anything like that, now is the time. You got a couple weeks. Let's get that done, my friends. Let's let, let's put some money in the right place. Change is possible. Yep, that is. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you for for getting that in there. As always, we are Blada Beatles. Thank you for hanging out with us this evening. Peace and love. Peace and love. Ah, <laughs> 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 <laughs>